Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. It's the most wonderful time of the year, or so the song says. It's also a vulnerable time of year, and if you've watched the news lately, besides uh, seeing my family cheering on FC Cincinnati in the news, we also have had reports, because this is the time of year to talk about holiday scams. Don't let Grinch steal your Christmas. This is the theme that's going on, and you'll hear different warnings about ways to watch how you shop online and don't click links that are sent to you from people you don't know and look for the certain HTTPS in your browser right before you buy from that website. All kinds of tips that are helpful. And these are annual reminders that you'll probably see popping up on the news or in your feed, I have. And technology is always developing. So there's always new scams or new twists on scams to let people know about. Previously, it was about cryptocurrency, and the recent one that you'll hear right now is about AI. How is AI affecting scams right now? So here's what I saw a bunch lately. I heard it from several different sources, and I went down a rabbit trail to figure out, is this true? So there's a scam that I guess has gone on for years, and there's a twist to it. So It's about receiving a phone call and that your loved one has been kidnapped or some other sort of story. And then they are tricking people into believing that stay on the phone. And, you know, here's the sound of your loved one talking to you and saying they need help. And it's just like very scary and very panic inducing. And people talk about how struggling that is to like receive such a phone call and to worry about this moment and then they they convince people to walk into the bank while they're still on the phone and withdraw money and give it to wherever they've said so this is just like a very scary scam and people are like well now it's becoming more realistic because ai can reproduce voices that's the worry now i did read some people skeptical saying i don't know that ai is just there yet to randomly grab like Every time I talk on YouTube, my voice is out here a lot. If I'm calling you, um, let's just, you know, text me. Let's talk. But they were like, the more you talk online, then there are more that they can use your voice. There's a fear because there's fear about AI. Now, people say, I don't think it's there yet, but it's good to be aware that in a panic, voices can sound very sincere. So there's different forms where they're like, have a code word with your loved ones or so that they can say it and you can know it's really them if they're not saying the word. You know, there's all kinds of ways to just try to protect ourselves. But there's this fear, right? We have fear because, because we've been, we've been, we've broken, people have broken our trust. And so then that's hard and we have our guard up. And so the U.S. Census Bureau has some statistics And they say, even though we think like, okay, maybe there's a certain demographic that's more vulnerable to scams than others, actually, everyone's pretty vulnerable. It's just in different categories. So for adults ages 18 to 59, they tend to fall victim to scams that involve online shopping, investments, or fake checks. For ages 60 and over, they report being victims of scams in tech support or sweepstakes or friends and family imposters which also include fake emails. Um, Apparently, our staff gets emails from all caps, Pastor Kelly Carr, 
And I, I write them all the time asking them to do stuff, apparently, so they know I'm not an all-caps kind of a girl. So anyway, all of this is to say what the hardest part is, what people will confess, that it wasn't about the money they lost or the time. It's about that shame of like, ugh, like I got my trust broken, I believed in someone, and it wasn't true. And the problem is that when people feel that shame, then they don't report it either, and so then fewer people know that this is going on. So people were trying to, part of the news stories is to encourage to say, speak up if anything has happened. But broken trust, whether we've fallen for a scam or not, we've all had our trust broken in some form. And so, not to begin with a downer as I just did, sorry, Merry Christmas, but we are talking in this holiday season about the realities. And so we said we were going to be truthful about the things that we face in our lives. And that can happen even in the holiday season. Because our current series is Peace Be With You. But at times, we don't feel very much at peace when we hear different things, when we know that there's deception out there. The tricky part is, is that sometimes, even when we read the Bible, our minds start to think, but can I trust it? And that's an honest thing that we need to say, to be like, we're reading a book that is miraculous and the birth of Jesus is pretty fantastical, if you want to say. And so it's okay to say, I'm reading with some skepticism or I'm questioning things. And that's okay. It's just, let's walk through these questions together. And guess what? It's because we don't want to be scammed by religion. We don't want to feel tricked by the God of the universe. Leave the gods of trickery up to Loki. And even Marvel Universe will say, variants can change. Had to shout out. Our family likes this show. Go watch it. So while our guard is up, I want us to notice that things can be both and. We can both be a little skeptical and have hope that that thing is actually true. We can both be wary and suspicious, but also, oh man, I really want to believe. And so the fun thing is, is that we worship a God who is both and and recognizes that we're human. Jesus himself lived in a body, dealt with humans who were both trustworthy and those who broke his own trust. And he told his followers in Matthew 10, verse 16, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. That is a reality. That is a God who is both and and recognizes that this is the world we live in. And so it's okay. I don't think he's afraid of our mindset, whether we're coming with a bit of skepticism or whether we're just all in. Okay? So what we're going to look at today is a piece of scripture that surrounds the childhood of Jesus. And I want us to look at it in a both and scenario and see the way that God brought the message of salvation to earth. And he did it in a way that he recognizes our humanity and that it takes us some time on the journey to get to him. We're going to be reading in the book of Matthew today, Matthew chapter 2. Matthew is in the New Testament, the first book of the New Testament. Our kids in the back 
check on them. Those elementary kids, they've been learning some books of the Bible. Why don't you quiz them? It'll be real fun. But they're doing a great job, and we're learning that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell us the story of Jesus, and that's where we're going to be today. Matthew 2 begins this way. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. All right, let's start with some fact versus fiction. Misconceptions. If you have a nativity scene, when you buy one, they tend to have three little guys with it, right? They're so cute. I like this one. I searched. It's really fun to, like, play with images, and I found these cute little felt ones, and I was like, where can I actually buy them? They're very cute, but we don't actually believe that the three magi were probably at the manger scene, the right at the Jesus, eight pounds, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus. Probably not. He probably would, they probably weren't there at that time because when you read in the book of Luke, we read about there was a, this 40-day period, and that's when Jesus was dedicated at the temple. And from some other sources, we're realizing Jesus would have had at least been 40 days old. And by that point, I hope that they let them move inside to a room in the house. Uh, number two would be, uh, because in a minute we're going to read some other verses that talk about someone out to get Jesus, and they were, they were suspecting um, two-year-olds and under. And so this is a time when we look that Magi, if they're trying to figure out the star and they're doing the math, somewhere between 40 days and Jesus as a toddler is when they would have visited him. So another misconception is we don't know that there was three. We, we tend to see three because there's three gifts listed you know, one guy could have been carrying two. Um, there could have been like 10 magi, and a bunch of them had frankincense and extra gold. Maybe they had an entourage. We don't know. You can visualize what you want to visualize. It's plural, so just more than one. And finally, the truths about these magi, even though you might hear them called wise men in some translations, or maybe, and Dylan chose not to use this one this week. Maybe there's this hymn called We Three Kings. And there's just a lot of factual things not correct in that song. So we didn't sing it. But you know the song. Okay. We Three Kings. They're not kings. They're actually astrologers. I love this picture. Looking up into the stars. Astrologers from Persia. They are studying the stars. Now, the Jewish Neighbors at this time would have considered them not just Gentile, non-Jewish, which we've talked about lately in Galatians, but they would have called them pagans because they weren't just looking at the stars and pointing them out. They were trying to find their answers, trying to find spiritual guidance from those stars. And so therefore, the Jewish people would have been like, that's, not, that's something different. That's not our religion. So again, it's eye-opening that they are getting to meet the Jewish Messiah. Astrology. It's gotten popular again today. I don't know if you see people talk about their signs and things, but in the 1930s is when it first became all the rage because that's when horoscopes were printed daily in the paper. And they look back and point to World War I, the Great Depression. There's a lot of stuff going on that's heavy, that's burdensome, so what a great time to, to look at something positive and to think of hope for their future. So it became really popular. The stress of our current world, maybe that's what's pushing it. Uh, as Canadian reporter Maggie Reed, she summarized it this way. 
More complicated issues like climate change feel beyond our control, while self-care and personal fulfillment are within our grasp, and perhaps even our budget. And so, astrology has been co-opted by the wellness industry. You kind of see those enfolded together. In 2021, astrological service industry was worth $12 billion globally. People are looking for something. Now, here's, we're gonna have our skeptics. The skeptic named Haley Naiman said, brands pay attention to what's popular, astrology is on trend, and she continued, some might generously call this a, a search for spiritual meaning. And she said, but I could less generously call it a scammy pseudo-existential branding exercise. So there we have our skeptic there. Um, but then other, and there's another person who was interviewed in this same article, a filmmaker in Canada, and she said, you know what, I turned to astrology because people are seeking solace outside of everyday society. They try to find their place and their purpose. And I don't want to mock that. I don't want to mock the seeking, the journey to finding purpose. Because isn't that what the Magi were searching for? Isn't that what we're all searching for? And we are here today. We're on a search. And we're hoping and trusting that our answer is Jesus. The Magi were searching. And they were looking to the stars. And they got introduced to the King of the Jews. So I don't want to displace people's search. Let's look at people out there who are searching and want to connect them with the truth that we know. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. When King Herod heard this, this information that there was a king of the Jews out there, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet has written, and this is from the book of Micah. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, found out from them the exact time the star had appeared, and then he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship. So now we have the villain in our story, the Hans Gruber, if you will, because Die Hard is a Christmas movie in my family. So anyway, he is, yes, villainy, because not just in the Bible, but you read about in history that Herod had issues. He had issues. He was very paranoid. He was very mm, narcissistic, and he would do things like, you know, murder his favorite wife. If that, like, that is who he called her to be, and he had her put to death when she got on his bad side. So if that's what he does to his favorite things, then you really, really don't want to mess with him. So when it says he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him, now you know why. Because the entire city is upset if they're like, this guy is unhinged, and we don't want to mess with him right now. He is disturbed. And so the Magi bringing up this new king being born, and then... When it says, oh, I want to go worship him, no, no, no. That's an untrustworthy narrator there. He does not want to worship Jesus. He has other motives. And so that 
is what's quoted in our reading today was Micah 5 that we said. I find it interesting because Herod is half Jewish, and he did not know this piece of his own history. He had to go to the chief priests, the the teachers of the law who were in his area, and say, hey, what does this mean? I don't even know. And so they had to show him and quoted from the reading. But you know what Herod would have been aware of? The culture of the day would have, like, noticed the stars, even if he doesn't worship them like the Magi were doing. The fact that the Magi said a new star has appeared, that was a sign in tradition of the day that a new ruler was going to be born. So there might have been a piece of him that's starting to, I don't know which is true, but I got Bible prophecy and I got stars appearing. One of these things is a problem, maybe both. Matthew 2 verse 9. After the Magi had heard the king, they went on their way. The star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, They returned to their country by another route. And when they had gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said. Out of Egypt I called my son. Okay, we're putting some more pieces together of the Magi here. There we said, again, he went, they went into a house. They saw Mary. Joseph wasn't there. He's probably doing some work during the day. They've probably been established at this house for a while. It also gives us the sense that it wasn't newborn Jesus, right? This is we're putting the pieces together. We can also consider that the Magi were wealthy because if you had the means to present such lavish gifts to a child, whether you think he's a king or not, you know, that it takes some funds. And the fact that they were able to journey anyway, if they're coming all the way from Persia, which was modern day Iran, and traveling to Israel, that's a trip. And so they had to have the means to go do this. They had to have some sort of status because they got an audience with the king in the first place. So we're seeing something about these magi and their standing in society. The magi, they got a message from God himself that says, don't go back. And it probably saved their own lives as well as Jesus's life because if you're the one to say, I just went and here's where Jesus is, but the fact that they worshiped him while they were there, Herod's not, not going to care about them any more than he's going to care about Jesus at this point. They could have been in danger as well. So let's look here from all the things that we've read and let's look about the peace of mind because that's, that's our focus today. That the mind here, that there was, there was skepticism or there was searching for truth in the mind. What was the peace of mind that God brought and who did he bring it to? I see that God brought this through both and scenarios. The peace of mind part one was for the Magi themselves. They were both pagan and they received an audience with the Jewish Messiah, the one who had been prophesied about. They got to meet him. The Magi, it says they were overjoyed and truly worship Jesus. And I I see that no matter what their agenda was at the beginning, God connected them to truth. And I love that. I love that picture that we see there. 
and God gave them protection. Peace of mind part two was for Mary and Joseph. God rescued both the Magi and Jesus, Mary, and Joseph from Herod by speaking through dreams. While the Magi had brought gifts to worship, here's the fun fact. Historians note that there was probably a both and. Mary probably both received the gifts with grace, as you do when someone gives a gift to your child. And they likely used these gifts to fund their own trip to Egypt. I never thought about that until a few years ago when I read that in a commentary. I'm like, oh my goodness, yes, these gifts could be used as currency to provide their escape. And I also think you can re-gift and reuse. I think it's a message. Just, to, just, just have peace with that, okay? Peace of mind, part three, the Jewish people. The reason why each person, inspired by God, wrote different books of the Bible. Matthew and Luke look different because they were writing because God wanted them to give the letter, the book, to different people. We went through the book of Luke for an entire year together. And now, here in Matthew, his goal was to write the original readers were Jewish people, just like Matthew himself. And his goal, and why he keeps using scripture and showing how Jesus fulfilled prophecies, was to help reassure his fellow Jewish people. By the time they read it, and by the time he wrote it down, they would have been in church together, just like what we've been reading through in Galatians. The Jewish people would have been worshiping right together with Gentiles. And they were still figuring that out. We read about the ups and downs of that new people group coming from two different cultures, trying to worship together. And so Matthew, giving this story about the Magi, that would give reassurance, right? That from the very beginning of Jesus' life, non-Jewish people were involved. Pagan people were involved. These was, there was this message underlying here that Matthew was like, yes, Jesus is the fulfillment of all that prophecy. He is both the redeemer for the Jewish people and he is welcoming all nations. And right from the beginning, Jesus was both and for all people. So maybe today's story you've heard, maybe it was something new, to, new detail for you. Or maybe, maybe all of this is just a little, makes you think. Maybe your mind's turning a little bit to read this story. So let's look at some both and for our own lives. How do we figure this out? What do we take from this story? Well, let's consider the both and of holiday celebrations. Maybe, uh, maybe you struggle because things get so, there's so many ads, right? Everything's coming at us. And if we're worried about scams, but we're also like being told to buy all this stuff, it feels materialistic. Even though people are like, but the Magi brought gifts, so we can give gifts. And it's okay if you like gifts. But you can both roll your eyes kind of at what Christmas has become and still want to like spend time with your loved ones and maybe let them know that they mean a lot to you. And if your love language is gifts, that's a great time. Like why not take this time of year to do so? And you can celebrate however you want, whether that's your presence is the present or maybe you're shopping local or doing handmade things. Like there's ways to, to live out your values and to, to be both a little bit frustrated by maybe what the holiday has become and, and maybe still participate in it in some ways. And my challenge to you 
in this both-and scenario is to say, just remember that all the opportunities we have to spend with one another is a gift from Jesus. Okay, look at the both-and of who Jesus offers grace to. Because in today's story, we saw people who started out with different purposes in mind, and then they met Jesus. Or like Matthew's Jewish peers, maybe they were like, maybe we know people who are, they've known God from the beginning, they feel very chosen, and yet they're not really living it out like maybe the Bible shows. So God loves both people who are skeptical, analytical, doubt these words, and he loves people who think they have it all together but don't. And we probably know both kinds of people in our lives. Maybe we've been both kinds of people at some point in our own journey. But my challenge is to remember this, that Jesus came to save both and. And whatever role we're in right now, it's easy to look at the other people like, oh, you should know better. Or, eh, you should act better. And yet, Jesus wants to work through us to show grace even to the people who we look different than, who we act different than, and to recognize even if, even if we're back here and we look at the world and they're over there, to just have that hope that people can change, that their journey can head towards something hopeful, towards something true. I need those reminders all the time of who I'm showing grace to. Okay, finally, both and. Let's look at the way it affects our faith. You can, you can be both skeptical at times and hopeful that this is real, right? Shrewd as snakes, innocent as doves. You can both say without shame that this stuff is confusing and it seems a little out there. And you can also admit that part of you has this childlike wonder that wants the mysterious, wants the, the mystical it's okay. It's okay that we're complex minds that can hold both and at the same time. Rest assured, that's okay. God made us with very complex details, and it's okay that we're holding these items together in our minds. I find hope in that because of one last story from Jesus' life, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. When Jesus was ministering, when he was out there going town to town, he was teaching. He was healing. All kinds of people approached him. He encountered a father whose son was going through a great trauma. In Mark chapter 9, the dad approached Jesus and said, If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Don't you love the honesty there? If you can do anything. Like, what we see in there is both, like, both uncertainty and that still small voice in his mind that was like, I've got to try, right? And Jesus replied, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Jesus knows this man's mind and the, the two different things going on, the doubt and the hope, right? And I feel like he's keeping the conversation going. He doesn't just act. He keeps talking. And so then the dad simply responds, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Isn't that true of how we think at times? 
even at Christmas time. I do believe, but help my unbelief. This father just said the truth. I'm both and, and I don't know how to resolve it, but I think it's in you, Jesus. So I hope that you go to Jesus this season at some point, however you do, whatever time frame that looks like, whatever practices, whatever um, path slow, gathering with lots of people or on your own. And I just hope that you go to Jesus and admit, hey, I don't want to be scammed in my faith, God. I need, I need to tell you that I'm skeptical. And I hope that you can go and admit the times that you say, I want to trust and I want to capture that wonder again. And when the night is still and the stars are out, just step out and look up and pray. I believe. Help my unbelief. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for knowing us and knowing that it's hard to believe at times. Thank you for living in a body like ours, being human like us, and experiencing people who were trustworthy and who broke your trust. Thank you for giving us the strength to, to be suspicious at times, but also to meet people that you've brought our way that we are allowed to trust. Give us your wisdom every day to be both wary and hopeful. We thank you that you're a God who understands us, and we thank you that you're a God we can be honest with. We thank you for your stories and your word to show us people that we can relate to, and it show us that you're not afraid of anyone's doubts, and you're not afraid of anyone's background and where they came from. You just show up. We thank you for showing up in our lives and bringing us here today. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.